drip too hard. Oh boy. Uh -oh. Part two. Pull up the kissing machine. Here we go. <laughs> you ever see like those old movies before that like cars had ignitions where they would turn the crank to start it, or like the old World War II movies? Like I'm not entirely sure what they were doing, but that's how they like, started airplanes. There's like some guy out there who like spun the propeller real hard <laughs> yeah, and I know then what it, it somehow starts it. Somehow you just push it and then it and then it's it's going. Yeah, you remember basically at that point they were just making it all up. They don't even really know what they were doing. Does that happen with your car since it's so small? Like sometimes you have to get out and give it a little push and then it starts running. Yeah, well I just put my foot like I open the door. I don't have to get fully out <laughs> and I take like my left foot like a I, scooter, like a skateboard. You know what I mean? You guys know what I mean? Oh boy. Everybody likes big cars. Down to, what's your history lesson for this week? How motorized vehicles did or did not work. Anyway, so think about how people used to start cars, and that's how we're spooling up the, the kissing slash knowledge machine. <laughs> Boy. All right. Sounds good. Today's episode is brought to you by not one, not two, baby, but three Different, distinct, and tremendous energy drinks. On our far right, we have Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. So it's important to understand that all these things aren't like the really brutally bad for you kind, which makes them largely fine within reason. Mountain Dew Zero Sugar Major Melon. Rise sipping on that. Tell us a little bit about Major Melon, a new release, evidently, uh, from your friends at Pepsi. If you can imagine... A Starburst or a Jolly Rancher in a can. That's what I'm kind of the vibes I'm taking here. Does it make you feel better every sip you take or worse or the same? Uh, markedly better. Markedly like better. I feel like a different person now. Perfect. All right. So then if we move kind of <laughs> counterclockwise uh, in order of a, like sort of ascending intensity, you could say, we have a, a white monster drank by Amanda. How's that treating you over there? It's wonderful. <laughs> yes, it is. We're still gunning for that monster sponsorship, that monster scholarship. One of these days. Austin Flex Lewis, one of these days. And some guys that ride motocross, maybe. Maybe. BMX. And then, last and least for me, uh, not in terms of the drink, but the person, uh, <laughs> Bang. Uh, and this one is Birthday Cake bash and i'll be i'm gonna be real honest with you it smells like birthday cake and tastes kind of like birthday cake so that's an interesting thing and it has a lot of everything in it so what do you think ultra coq10 is because all the cans say that but what do you think it actually is <laughs> zero idea i don't know i'm gonna have to read the back it has oh, Lord. uh i guess it's that's an essential amino acid Okay. Which by itself does almost nothing for you, but you know, mixed in a can of science with other with things. Mixed with creatine and caffeine and birthday cake, they grind it all together and then and then and then splash a little <laughs> bit in the can. It equals energy. It equals me feeling great right now. All right, awesome. That's, so that's the our sponsored of, segment. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I bet we could do an hour. Just about our favorite we? things. We no, you could do We're, an hour. Uh, I think yeah, the two of us are only four minutes in, and we just covered three drinks. We have so much further we, we can do go. An easy hour on best and worst energy drinks, coffee, etc. 
best practices. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to hammer one late, like the afterburner. Anyway, that's overloading caffeine. Today, broadly, in the world of fitness, strength and fitness, we're going to talk about overload uh, and sort of a subtopic of overload, which is uh, sort of forward progression every week with a great big giant caveat. And so I'm going to turn it to Amanda and Rye to talk a little bit about this because this comes as a top, up as a topic because we see it so much in practice, both with in-person clients and remote clients and just people you see at the gym. Uh, it's, it's, it's an issue, so we're going to see if we can help some people past it or at least understand it a little bit more. Take it away to my Coach left. Danks. Let's get it. What is the problem? So let's start with <laughs> let's take start it away. with what <laughs> so many the things. underlying problem is that we're seeing. We'll kind of lay that out and talk a little bit more about it. Uh, kind of in just everyday terms, just chasing reps for the sake of doing more. Nothing else really matters. Just I'm gonna try and get as many as I can despite everything that I know to be true and know to be best for me. I think the underlying thing to preface that is the idea of overload being that we progressively do more as time goes on. So more weight, more reps, more sets than the week before. Um, so if you're going for more reps, I think that's where that comes into what you just said. So like if you're, if you're like, I know I have to do more somehow, then like, well, just got to do more reps, right? And then, which is, I think, what we're about to dive into in terms of like, well, where does that, where do we cross the line of like maybe doing more isn't always necessarily the best thing if they look a certain way. Well, right. And that's where specifically we're going to refer to or talk about chasing reps because everything else we as the coach control, right? Like we are dictating how many sets our clients do at what weight. Um, and then most likely are giving them some sort of rep range. Uh, and so then it's on the client to know how best to manage those reps. And maybe to take a one step back further and talk a little bit about overload. So there's a hierarchy of important things regardless of whether we're talking about, frankly, hypertrophy, strength, aerobic capacity, any of that stuff, skills. The number one most important thing is specificity. So if you're training for powerlifting uh, and you're going to do a powerlifting meet, it tests three things. It tests back squat, deadlift, and bench press. So you need to practice those things. And that is not that hard of a concept to understand. That's the most important concept. The second most important is overload. So overload, as Rai alluded to, can take different forms. But broadly, it indicates that what you're doing over some kind of time course has to get gradually more difficult. Now, that is often paired with gains in your fitness and gains in your strength. Um, so you sort of tend to move in concert with that. Um, but that's what we're going to focus on today. And so the underlying premise here is that week over week, 
we need to be able to sort of beat what we've done in the past. Now you don't literally have to do that all the time and you can't literally do that forever. Like no one can do that, otherwise we'd all squat 2,000 pounds and bench 1,200 pounds. That's not how it works at all. However, we need to add stimulus in some way, shape or form um, or at least maintain stimulus week over week. The trouble with that is in people's effort to do that, sometimes things fall by the wayside. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and sort of best practices for people to take away. <clears throat> so tell me a little bit about beating the logbook versus chasing reps, particularly uh, with hypertrophy, right? Because obviously um, with strength, reps in many cases stay the same. Um, week over week and intensity changes, load changes, but obviously in the realm of hypertrophy, um, we're, we're trying to beat the logbook specifically with sets or reps or both. So tell me a little bit about that. Things you've seen in the field. In the field. <laughs> um, so it's important to know that while we're trying to progress every week, you know, if, if we three, you have three sets, and you were able, at 75 pounds for your strict press, able to do eight, seven, and six. The hope is the next week, if you have four sets, that you would be able to do something like, even if it's eight, eight, seven, six, right? You did another set, so you were able to complete eight more reps. At the same weight. At the same weight. So that's still progress, albeit the reps didn't change. You still did more work, you did a whole nother set, therefore progress was made. So that's our goal in programming. And oftentimes we're spelling this out for people and hopefully, obviously, if, even if you're not one of our clients and you're listening to this, hopefully that's how your programming works. Uh, the issue is when, let's say, let's keep strict press, Strict press gets pretty hard pretty fast. So those last couple reps are going to be pretty rugged, pretty difficult. And so what do you oftentimes see people doing because they're trying to hit some kind of target? Uh, specifically in a strict press, you may see a little bit of a bounce or assistance from the knees, right? So we've now failed, but we're going to count those reps because while well, I still got the bar to lock out overhead, um, or really start to arch in the back um, and have to like squeeze and warm our way up. Um, or you just go for broke and you can't get that bar locked out overhead. So you get it almost there, but you can't fully extend your arms. Correct. So using your legs to create momentum, uh, potentially using your hips uh, or hip extension uh, to create momentum, or you just can't, you don't do a full rep. Like you can kind of get up, but you just don't lock it out. Or I'd say even dropping under it too. Yeah, if you really like, like, to, like jerk it, it, yeah. So, why do people do this? Like, so why not just stand there and and press it up, and when you can't do that anymore, stop? Like, what do you think the underlying reasons are that people fall into this? Well, I think there's a few different categories. One, it's like to prove like I can do more. Um, I I know that I've gotten stronger or I just want to show myself that I've gotten stronger so I'm gonna push myself more by doing more um, it may be well my coach says I should be at this point so I should I should do that 
and going to push myself to to achieve that yeah i think it's like maybe a combination of like trying to prove to yourself and not let yourself down or your own ego down but then also to like your coach like i could see some people maybe having like not wanting to disappoint us because we said you know i want you to shoot for 10 and you got eight which isn't like us being dis like it's not like a disappointing thing for us it's just like well, that's that's how it's going you know what i mean like you're like there becomes a point where you're not like you can't hit what we're telling you like especially by the end of maybe the end of your mesocycle like week five or six you your the goal was to kind of push the limit of like where you're at um so i think a lot of people maybe have that like well i don't want to i don't want to like tell him like I didn't, I didn't do what he told me to do um, because there will never be like a disappointment factor. It'll just be like, okay, well now we know where you're at or like, you know, that's, we can adjust for next week. Um, and I think a second thing maybe is just like ego in the gym. Like people, um, th you think other people are watching you. You know, if you're pressing 75 pounds and you do three and can't even get the fourth one off your shoulders, then like you have this, thought potentially that someone you know the person next to you the 75 year old guy next to you like noticed and is like jesus that guy sucks he's he has no idea like he is <laughs> lit it must be his first day and it's like no one actually cares no one's paying attention first of all and if someone is paying attention then no one like they don't care like they go about the rest of their day so that doesn't entirely make sense like you just you can do it or you can't and then that's that's it you move on to your next movement or the rest of your day and that's that's it i think to you guys both alluded to it is the internal understanding that progression equals beating last time or meeting the uh prescription in in the programming and yes that is what it means but there is a point where you can't do that and it's important to understand and recognize that point so for example the idea that like you're going to short some movement so because it says try to get to 10 or last week you did nine so this week you're gonna you're gonna maybe like half rep a couple to get your way to 10 only cheat yourself because in in you know a situation where you're working with a coach if they don't have a video of you doing it and they're not physically there watching you, you're not on, you're at that point, you are not, oh, no longer on the same page with them. So the service that you're paying for is not being fully provided because you're not being completely honest about what you're doing. So you're not, I think this is where people run into trouble is it's part their own hubris of like, no, nah, I can do it. I'm going to get it. And part the, the desire to, to stick to the plan, which is inherently positive, but not when you're not being completely honest or you're not taking a hard look at your range of motion, things like that. And we see this constantly. And part of it is just a learning thing. Like it's learning how to do this. And it's something that we all do. This happens with me all the time where you're trying to beat your previous week and you have to know internally, like, all right, well, that one was garbage. Like, I'm done. That's it. That's all I can do. And then, like, the number is the number is the number, period. 
figure out what you can do to make it better. Um, but the not, but the answer is not like you grind out some awful reps so you can lie to yourself and walk out, you know, imp- having <laughs> having impressed no one that uh, that you move forward because in reality you didn't move forward relative to last week. So that's the kind of the the f- keeping focus on progression. What do you guys think are some best practices to help people understand when they're getting to that point and how to address it? And I think or this is a perfect one for you, Amanda, because you're like so uh, technically proficient and such a good mover, partially just naturally, but partially because you're so intentional about it. And so the result of you being so intentional is that you have very good progress week over week, cycle over cycle, etc. So if you would be so kind as to share some of your wisdom with people, because I think it would be very helpful. Yeah, and I think this kind of ties into our podcast from last week, which if you haven't listened to, go listen to and then finish this one. Yeah. Um, in, in learning and understanding how your body moves. Um, you know, it's, it's taken me a long time to get to where I am um, because there was a point in time where I didn't move very well and I suffered a lot of injuries because of it um, and ultimately decided like exercise is important to me, fitness is important to me because my health is important to me. So I need to do what is necessary to ensure that I can do this for the long haul. Um, so in doing that, it's, it's understanding that mind muscle connection and making sure that like, okay, in a back squat, this is how it should feel. This is how my body should respond. Um, and this is what happens when my body starts to break down and I know that I can't do this anymore, whether that be, I'm like bouncing aggressively out of the bottom as the only means of being able to get up out of the bottom of a squat. And that's really bad and really hard on your body, uh, especially with a movement like the back squat and everything that it requires your body to do. Um, so learning what reps and reserve mean and learning what that feels like when you're shooting for higher reps, specifically in a hypertrophy phase, um, is really important. And it's important to know like, okay, I feel good. I feel good. This is starting to get hard. This is getting a little bit harder. If I push any more, like now my form and technique are going to come into play and in a negative way, it's time to shut it down. Something I thought of over the course of what you guys were both saying too is that uh, there, <clears throat> I think everyone has experienced kind of where you walk in and you start going through stuff in those first couple sets. You don't necessarily beat the logbook from the week before and you're, you're doing everything right, but you, it's like just not there. And I think there's, or, you know, you do a weight that you've smashed before and then it feels super heavy. And I think you have to keep in mind that like not every day is the same. Like you may have slept poorly before, you haven't eaten enough, you haven't drank enough water, you've just been stressed, you have X, Y, Z. Like all these things also play into, uh, play a role of like how you're gonna feel. So like if you can, like you just have to accept that some days like it's not, it's not worth, like it's, just not the day. You know what I mean? I think we've all like, like hit like 80% of a maximal lift and we're like, Jesus, that feels extremely heavy. Like, how did I do any more 
previously and it you have to keep in mind that there's a ton of lifestyle factors that play into all of that that maybe are causing why you haven't you you're not feeling as great as last week or you know fatigue in general case in point a real life example anecdotally of that was this past friday uh my first movement which was conventional deadlift i did not uh i moved up in weight but did not match my reps from the previous week in any set uh and so when that's your first movement that's really the one that where you're focusing on in terms of beating last week for a variety of reasons and i did not now part of that was it did just feel heavy my sleep was a little bit off the night before but part of it is because uh i've had little back issues in the past and so i am cognizant of that uh, and when you're trying for big reps sometimes it can be uh, questionable at the end whether you're starting to come out of position. And so you have to do a little bit of a cost-benefit analysis of, you know, are you going to try to squeeze out a couple more to, to tie or beat last week, potentially at the expe expensive position in that case, it's certainly in that movement, potentially at the, the risk of injury. And so obviously the answer is you want to maintain a good position and just come back at it next week. And it didn't, you know, the rest of the workout, the other movements in the session, I beat the previous week's numbers. So sometimes you just look at it as a little bit of a fluky thing and you're going to attack it again next week. But again, the main focus needs to be on technique just so you can continue to do it and continue to progress um, in the best way. And, you know, so I think one way you could look at this is if you have a coach this is why you have a coach. Like literally, this is why. So you can bounce this kind of stuff off of them. So you can, if they're in person, that's great. So you can have them watch you. And if they're not or not in the moment, do so you can video yourself on your own volition and send it to them so that they can evaluate it and help you move forward. So some of my best clients will take video without me requesting it. Now I often do but they will just take it unilaterally because they want me to see their movement because they want to be coached. And so if this is something where you're feeling like it's questionable whether you're doing the right technique or whether you're in a good position, that's what your coach is for. Obviously, if you're, if you're working out by yourself, you still can do this and try to evaluate it yourself or have somebody else who, who knows what they're talking about do it. Uh, but that's the underlying reason why you're paying for that service. The other thing that I think we need to think about when we're doing stuff like this is what is the underlying goal of what you're doing? If you're doing good mornings and all you feel is your low back and you know that the object, the reason, the underlying intended stimulus of that movement is your hamstrings primarily, maybe glutes secondarily, and then like tertiarily your your low back something's not right so what the hell are you doing it for like uh, like to prove to yourself that you can like what's the point so let me uh turn that back over to you guys like commenting on intention yeah i think it goes back to again conversations that we've had before like 
<clears throat> certain movements, right, do not work for certain people. That's just the reality. All of us are built differently. Even the three of us at this table who relatively in size, we're all about the same, but like our bodies are built differently. And so different movements work differently for us. And so while uh, a good morning, if we're going to stick with that, may be easy for me to do as far as getting out of it what I need. For Ryan, it's taken a while to get into that position. And it's taken trying other variations of that movement to get out of it what is needed. So again, it goes back to, I'm not just going to do this movement because my coach said I'm going to do it and I'm going to aim for 15 reps because they said I should be able to do this for 15 reps and you're not feeling it at all in your hamstrings, then you've just wasted all of your time. At the end of the day, if your goal is to get stronger or to look better, is really doing three sets of 15 good mornings that you don't feel in your hamstrings going to get you there? No. So talk to your coach. Say, hey, like, I'm not getting this. Maybe it's just an issue of fixing your form, fixing your technique. Or maybe it is we just have to find a different variation of a movement to engage your hamstrings. So I have two thoughts based on that. One, I think we've, I think at least I'll say the blanket term of our clients, but mine I know specifically are pretty good with saying like, this, I'm not feeling this, this feels like a, essentially a waste of my time for what we're, what the intended stimulus is. So I think generally people are pretty good at saying that and starting to learn as time goes on, as they run through more movements, realizing like where they're supposed to feel things and why we're doing certain things. But uh, I'll pose a question to you guys for a little peek into our brain if we have a client who let's say they're in week three so they've had three weeks of doing good mornings we'll say and they say to you that they aren't feeling the good mornings aren't working for them in the sense that they don't they feel their low back not their hamstrings you've played around with position x y and z do you is that a situation where you're going to change them change that movement mid mesocycle or are you going to finish the mesocycle and then switch it because I think uh, people may see confusion in that sense because we, you know, we have talked about not variance in the sense that mesocycle to mesocycle potentially, but not within mesocycles because that kind of ruins the purpose. So what, what, where do we go on that front? So in terms of a client thinking about things, how do they, how, how are we going to approach that as a client coach team? So it depends. Uh, so generally, obviously, we're not gonna, we're going to try to a certain extent not to change movements. However, you have to know when something isn't working for people. So I'm going to give two examples. Uh, both have happened. So I've had examples where people aren't, uh, based on video analysis, things like that, aren't doing something technically wrong. It's just not something that agrees with them that much and they just don't get a ton out of it. This also can be an equipment issue, uh, specifically people who are working with somewhat limited equipment. There's just a point where certain movements aren't awesome. Um, and so I will switch in that case if we've exhausted all of our technical fixes. Another example 
where I will switch is if it's causing someone discomfort. So I have a client, a remote client who is very strong, uh, but has, you know, right now is dealing with some significant shoulder discomfort. So we've altered his pressing to make it a little bit easier on his shoulder, but he was getting shoulder pain uh, as his arm shifted forward when he was doing straight leg deadlift. And this is something we caught pretty quickly. This is, this is week two of his cycle uh, where it really started to bother him. And so we shifted. So the goal isn't to just grind through something. The goal is to, to make sure it's working and grooving for you. Now, anecdotally, I've also had the experience where it takes you almost a cycle to really dial something in. And this is oftentimes where we'll keep things in cycle to cycle. Um, because it could take you an entire mesocycle to really dial in close grip bench press. It is a nuanced thing. It is very easy to cheat. This, this is a classic example of chasing reps um, and getting nothing or close to nothing or a lot less than you could out of the movement. It takes a little bit to dial in and do it really, really well. And so that's a situation where knowing that based on the experience of previous clients or anecdotally, you may keep it in and allow someone to work through the process. And inevitably they get it. With enough coaching and cueing, they get it and then they get a ton out of it. So it really depends and it's case by case. Um, naturally, we're gonna try not to change things as much as we can because we want the greatest amount of stimulus. And again, I think this is what you know we love so much about individual design is because these are conversations that we have with our clients, and we can kind of figure out like what is it like? Is it truly like, you're just not able to figure out this technique? And so each week we're making a minor adjustment so that by week six you're like, aha! Like I get it. I feel this where I'm supposed to feel it. I'm now able to get out of this movement what I should, or Again, it's it's something that like this is just not going to work for you. We need to sub it out for something else. Um, and having a coach that is able to do that with you, whether through video or in person, uh, I think is what makes this so great. Yeah, we do it constantly. <laughs> we do it all the time, and actually, we expect to do it. Like, so I just cut Rye off there, but uh, so I'll let you go in a second, but. I want people to tell me this stuff. Like, so complaining for the sake of complaining, someone telling me it's hard, like, okay, like, it's supposed to be hard. <laughs> right. Right? If you want to get anything out of it. Um, but someone telling me, like, hey, this kind of bothers my shoulder, this kind of bothers my elbow, I will ask, does this, you know, this, you know, close grip bench press or wide grip bench press, does it bother your wrist, elbow, shoulder? Tell me. Because uh, I want to know. Because if it does, we need to switch to something else. Um, so yeah, it's very different from a situation where you're just sort of by yourself in the gym or where you're just doing whatever, cookie cutter group stuff. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that like you mentioned like by week six, you kind of figure it out or it may take a mesocycle to figure things out. And as much as we've kind of emphasized like not doing something correctly or not feeling something is maybe a waste of time, you also have to look at it as this is supposed to be a long game. You're going to have literally thousands, thousands and thousands of sessions throughout the course of your life. Even like, especially for me, because I'm young, but even 
uh, if you're like a 50 year old, like James Fitzgerald emphasized it so much. I'm sure he did to both of you in the CCP, but like that you have like 50,000 sessions ahead of you. So, and it's supposed to be a long game. Like it's not supposed to be like a new movement, figured it out now and I'm all set. Let's find the next one. It's supposed to, the entire purpose is that this is supposed to be a lifelong, long game. So not that every, that you can just throw away sessions, but understanding that over the course of maybe 50 sessions, you figure out, you start to figure out how to perfectly execute a movement. And at first you're like, Jesus, 50 sessions is a lot, but 50 sessions out of 15,000 is nothing. And that may be a little daunting to think about, right? Cause like you're 15,000 workouts, right? That's crazy. But it's also, I mean, you're going to work out four days a week for 50 weeks out of the year for 50, 50 years. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it adds up very quickly. So I think having that kind of mindset of like, this is as much as we want to get it dialed in, it is also an extreme long game. Yeah, and I think that's why we emphasize or put emphasis on like when you are in the mo moment, that set that you are completing is the only thing that matters in that moment. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have three after or you've done three before. It is that set that matters most and that each rep should be a crisp, full range of motion movement with great technique if you want to get the most out of it, if you want to be able to do that again for 15,000 more times, like it's just the reality of it. And so you're not helping anyone, not yourself, not your coach, by just doing it just to do it. I think a good way, I heard somebody, I didn't obviously come up with this, but I think it works really well. When you're doing these movements, regardless of what they are, pretend like you're, like you're videoing it for Instagram or social media, even if that's like an anathema to you, we would never do that. The idea would be, would you be comfortable doing that range of motion in front of lots of other people? Would you be proud of your reps? The answer is yes, then perfect. Awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. If the answer is anything but yes, that's your problem. Stop the set, bring down the weight, figure out what's causing you to do suboptimal stuff and fix it, period. And obviously that's what coaches are for, but it's also on you, the person working out, to do that. It should, this should be a very active process and it should be something that you like sort of take some amount of joy in. There's some amount of joy in getting better at something every time you try it. That's part of the fun of exercise. And so you have to do that. Um, the like doing half reps of pull-ups, like doesn't doesn't do anything for you. It's a waste of your time. And you know if you would be embarrassed to show that to somebody, then that's your answer. Stop, fix it, and go back again. I think that's that's actually like an extremely valid thing because like when I see people that I follow that maybe I went to school with or that I'm acquaintances with post stuff like that which isn't that frequent, but like an, uh, an instance comes in my head of like a couple days ago, I saw something in of like a kid who is markedly bigger than me and like posted his first time squatting 405, which is 
a milestone, right? That's an impressive like number to squat. Um, but he wasn't, he like barely got to parallel if that. So then it's like, well, why that's not like, why is that? Like, I'm not impressed by that. You know what I mean? So like, I think like the, he's has this idea, but then like, who's seeing that? And is like, well, that's, you know, that's great that you picked up 405 and put it on your back. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, and I think that you, it can go the other way, right? So we can watch or we can see other people, like big name people, who move what seems to be a lot of weight, but are doing like partial reps. And it's like, well, like if they can do it, then why, why can't I? And it's at the end of the day, like what is going to make you better? Like, again, social media is everyone's highlight reel like they're proud of what they did doesn't mean that what they're doing is right or how you should be doing it it's also uh, there's a really strong correlation between the people who are the most intentional with their movement and with their progressions and with their communication to their coach and their uh level of progress they're extremely closely tied together and it works the other way too. And we all have examples of this, like the people who, you know, will cheat reps, you know, if left to, to their own devices will not move through the full range of motion. Um, they don't have as good a progress, like period. And so why are you doing it? Are you doing it to impress us? Like, are you, like, cause you're not like, we're not, we're not judging you based on your reps. Like, oh, this person got nine. Like they're a piece of garbage. I wanted 11. Uh, and the people around you who you're working out with aren't really paying attention to what you're doing either. So if you want results, if that's what you're paying for, if that's what you're, you know, investing your time to get to, this is the way. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything. You can do partials, knock yourself out. If that makes you feel good, um, and you derive enjoyment out of that. But the reality is you're just not going to get the full benefit of, of the time and the stimulus, etc. So I'd say one sentence question to summarize the whole thing that we just talked about as a coach, would you rather have your client, if you prescribed 12 reps would you rather have them do eight perfect ones or 12 but the last four were a little rough a little technically shaky eight every yeah. time yeah. yeah absolutely if it's like eight and then nine is technical failure and like eight was was hard effort absolutely eight every single time i think that summarizes the whole that's all you need to you got to this point if you're 38 56 in that's all you need to listen to <laughs> that's, yeah you made it that's it drink you know, some good energy drink stuff at the beginning some good good evaluation stuff at the end yeah i think at the end of the day right like again we want our clients or anyone listening to this to be a thinking athlete to be intentional with everything that you do and so at the end of the day you want to progress, you want to get better, you want to get stronger, you want to look better, feel better, then do what is going to be the best path to get you there. Yep. Period. No Boom. steps back. Nope.
Keep your eyes absolutely peeled for apparel stuff coming out maybe this week. Maybe you'll uh, see a little. Keep your emails and DMs open. You might and get a little. Uh, and your eyes. Might get a little, <laughs> little something. Little APB something. That's it. Start getting excited. Otherwise, see you next week. See ya.